Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet church service where we can gather together from around the world and have fellowship and enjoy the wonderful Word of God together. I would like to begin today by receiving the tithes and offerings and bringing those into the storehouse of God. And I would like to read a verse to you from the book of Job, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And before I read these two verses, let me say a big thank you to everybody who prayed and also who financially sowed into the project that we recently had of the new live streaming, internet streaming equipment. We had a piece of hardware fail on us, and we were able to get a better piece of equipment. So we're back streaming in 1080p, and I just want to say a big thank you for everybody who sold into that, and we actually went over the amount that was needed. So I love how the Lord can put the icing on the cake, but really from the heart of, of myself and our ministry team, we just want to say a big thank you, because you are the ones that help us to continue to preach the gospel around the world. Praise the Lord. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings, but I would also like to share with you another need that is now, I believe it's a timely thing that we address in the ministry. And I, I, I believe I have a verse that even correlates to this need. Let's talk about it for a moment. This is Job chapter 1, verse 9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a fence around him? Now the word fence or the word hedge in the Hebrew is the word suk. And it sounds like S-U-K-H, and I don't put the thick Hebrew accent on it because uh, that's a lot of a guttural noise that it's not really my language to speak, but it sounds like suk a little bit. But it's the Hebrew word that can mean a hedge or fence. And here it says in verse 10, have you not made a fence around him, around Job, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands. And his possessions have increased in the land. This is a, uh, a great time for the ministry to put a fence around the property. And we really need one for multiple reasons. And I want to talk about that this morning for a few minutes. Although this church facility has been here now for over 140 years, it's never had a fence put around the border of the property. We have here at the ministry 1.72 acres and it's a good time to get a fence up around the property for several reasons. One is just something more recently that has been happening uh, with the Pokemon phenomena. Something that, you know, because I don't play video games, uh, is not been on my radar at the least bit. But we have people coming through the church parking lot day and night. And we were wondering, uh, me and the team were wondering, why are we having all of this traffic? And it turns out that uh, Pokemon has selected our church building, the studio from which I'm streaming to you right now from, as one of the primary sites for those that grab Pokemon points uh, to add to their collection. Well, this facility here is one of those stops. And so people just drive through the parking lot all time, day or night. One guy was coming around here the other day with a real loud Harley Davidson motorcycle, just doing loops around the building. And you know, I, I even went out and asked him, I said, are you, are you looking for something? Oh, I'm, I'm just here for the Pokemon points. <laughs> so that's the latest thing. And, uh, you know, I never realized that every day Pokemon with that app makes over $1 million. There was a point they were making $16 million a day 
I think in the year 2017, it's kind of calmed down a little bit. They're only making like a million or $3 million a day now, but it's still very, very popular. And our church is one of those spots and people just drive all, uh, you know, despite some of the cones we put out, they just drive all through and drive all over the place. And so we really need to get a fence around the property. Um, it wasn't too long ago, about a year ago where I was speaking with a very, a very gracious man. He's actually, I think, one of only two uh, goodwill ambassadors appointed by Prime Minister Netanyahu from Israel. Uh, this man is a goodwill ambassador uh, from Israel to America uh, so that there's good relations between the church and Israel. And he was here in this very studio, and he said, Stephen, he said, I know you and Kelly and this ministry that you have, you really love Israel. He, he said, have you ever had your windows knocked out before? I said, no. He said, you haven't? He said, with the way that you support Israel, nobody's ever busted your windows out, drove by and knocked your windows out? I said, no. <laughs> he said, wow. And so, while we're not in fear, uh, we do know that protection is a good adherence because anti-Semitism is rising throughout Europe, is rising throughout America, and really, sadly, it's rising around the world. And you also have this thing called BDS, uh, which stands for Boycott, Divest, and Sanction. And so what these really godless, uh, super liberal groups do is they target they, they target ministries, they target, they target businesses that support and love Israel, and they go after them. They try to cut off their supply, they try to cut off their provision, and they also they try, they try to intimidate. And uh, uh, I haven't shared this before, but yes, we've had, we've had vandalism done to our property. We've had things on our property vandalized. There was a point I actually was thinking about flying the American flag with the Israeli flag, of course, a little bit lower next to it. But I realized, you know, if I, if I did that, there, there would be backlash by people that just literally hate, uh, actually hate America now too, and that there are even Americans, they hate their own country. Uh, but they, they especially have a tremendous hatred for Israel. Well, I still want to fly an American flag, and I still want to fly an Israeli flag, but I just think having a fence up would really help with all of the problems that can be associated by people that don't have good intentions. And, you know, because me and my wife, we travel a lot internationally, you know, all a, all a person has to do is look on our itinerary at our website. They can tell when we're gone. And even though we have staff and we have team here, uh, there's nobody here at nighttime. And so that's when uh, various forms of vandalism have happened and things have been done to, you know, it costs money to fix these things, and it's, and it's just stuff that can be avoided. So we want to have a fence. And in verse 10, Job uh, is in the, he's in the, uh, he's in the, how can I say, he's in the targets of Satan. And Satan, in reference to Job, actually said this to the Lord. He said, have you not made a fence around, around him, around his household, and around all that he has? And, and, and God didn't say, no, I didn't put a fence around him. Well, God did. God, God put a divine protection, a divine fence around Job, and the enemy could not get through. Now, he's going to have some access that God is going to grant him, but at the same time, there was the fence. And, of course, after the devil loses this, 
this cosmic battle, uh, the fence is back up and the blessing is, is literally double on the life of Job. But I believe while we do thank God for angels and we thank God for protection uh, of the angels and, God, and, and the Holy Spirit, we, we also need to do the things that we can in the natural because we see that even Job had a fence around him. Praise God. Speaking of fences and tall walls, not that we're going to put a wall up, but a good fence is just a great deterrent uh, to mischief and any form of criminal activity. But in the book of Revelation chapter, chapter 12 and verse, oh, that's the wrong one. I need to go a little bit further back into the book of Revelation. Uh, this is Revelation chapter 21 verse 10. And John uh, speaking says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. So this is the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, verse 12. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't, I don't think we need a really high wall. I don't think we really need, um, you know, big massive pearl gates, but we do need a good fence. Uh, I believe this would really help us a lot because um, we're, we're at a time right now where God is protecting and blessing the church, but we also need to realize there are those out there who do not favor the church, who do not like the things of God's kingdom, and it's just good to have uh, forms of security. Because, you know, some churches, maybe the, maybe all they have inside of them that could be stolen or taken would just be a few wooden pews. But, you know, when the Lord is blessing a facility, a ministry, and a church, and so forth, where you, you have audio equipment, you have television equipment, you have things really that need to be protected. So I believe, my friends, it's time that we establish a protective fence around the property, and also it would be decorative. We're, as we're beginning, really, in some ways, to do new new phases of landscaping and hardscaping. We've had some beautiful new stones put out around the property, like big, beautiful stones. We're going to put more out. Uh, we're going to begin to plant various fir trees and ever, evergreen trees. It's really, uh, we're really going to lift it to another level for the glory of the Lord. But we also need to get a fence. It's a good time to do it. And I feel that the Holy Spirit, uh, that the anointing of the Lord is upon this project. Praise God. So, anytime that you sow into a project, I believe that it's good that you give your seed an assignment, because the seed that you're sowing will go towards the fence. But also, as you're sowing the seed, God wants to give you a harvest. And I'm just believing that that fence that God had around Job, a fence where your, your family is protected and your possessions are protected, I just believe that God will do something supernaturally uh, in this area, and you'll, you'll really receive a guarded blessing from the Lord. So, whatever you're sowing, be sure to give your seed a name, okay? And say, Lord, I'm sowing into that fence project, and I believe there's a fence around my life, perhaps even naturally and physical, and uh, or excuse me, and also spiritual, of course, which is the most important thing of all. But uh, my friends, we do thank the Lord for His protection. So sow and identify your seed, and name your seed, praise God. So as, as you're bringing this in along with your tithes, of course an offering is something that would be above and beyond your tithe. Your tithe is 10%, and, and God says the tithe belongs to Him. So if we take the tithe and we 
we spend it on something else, we're, we're, we're touching something that belongs to the Lord. So we want to honor the Lord with the tithe, but there are those times, as you know, over the years I come before you with various special projects, and and we give, we give you opportunity to sow into that. So this is one of those special projects that is now on the uh, Holy Spirit list. So let's tackle this. Let's get this done. Those of you that are going to mail your gift in or bring it in online, just make a notation on your check or on your online giving uh, that this would be for the fence. Praise the Lord. This is for the ministry fence. Praise God. Now, if you want to mail in your tithes and offerings, you prefer to mail them in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. If you want to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do that, which is very safe and secure. Please visit, visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage for tithes and offerings, and you can go there, click on that, and they will come in day or night, regardless from where you're at in the world, they come right into the ministry storehouse. Praise the Lord. You know, I believe also having a fence up around this property actually enhances the, the value of the property, but also enhances and is actually a blessing to our neighbors because we have, we're surrounded on both sides by great neighbors. We have the post office on one side. We have the school over on the other side. So this will be a blessing, not just for the church, but also for the community as well. So we want to make sure it's a nice fence because we want to represent the Lord well in the community. Praise God. Now, let me say this in advance. Thank you for your giving. The goal for the fence, remember, we have a, a little over 1.7 acres. That's pretty big. Technically, 1.72. So, uh, that's quite a long ways around. This will, this will infence the entire property. So, the budget for this is $30,000, okay? That, that, for some of you, may seem like a lot. But in some ways, really, all it would take is for 30 people to sow a $1,000 seed and we're there. Praise God. So, whatever you can do, maybe you can do uh, something that would be less than that. You're in a place where you, you couldn't do a thousand, but maybe you could do 300. Maybe you could do 100. Or maybe you're in a place where you've been blessed, and you just think, Pastor Stephen, you know what? I've got an extra blessing over on the side, and uh, I've been looking for somewhere to sow it. Okay, well, this, this would be put to immediate use on this project, okay? So, we're all, we're all in different places of blessing, but whatever you can do, it would be a real blessing at this time. I believe it's time for the fence to go up. I'll tell you what, once we get that fence up, we'll be making plans for that American and Israeli flag, and nobody's going to tear the flags down because there's a fence up. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give God praise. Heavenly Father, everybody that is bringing their tithes in, bless them, O God. I thank you for our online church members. They're so faithful with their giving so that we have such a, a far-reaching ministry of preaching the gospel because your people, uh, they just have a heart, Lord, for what we're doing here. Bless them. I thank you for those, Father, that maybe they have church homes somewhere else, but they really enjoy the teaching. They really enjoy the ministry, so they like to sow seed. And Father, we thank you so much for our ministry partners. So Father, also for every seed that is sown into this fence project, I pray you multiply it back. Uh, it, it, what Jesus said, there's a 30, 60, and the 100 fold. Father, I just pray that that area that they most need the harvest, that when they sow the seed, that the harvest would come quickly back into their life and they would have that harvest in that area where they need it. I thank you, Father God. I thank you in the name of Jesus uh, 
there's actually, I, I sense there's several businessmen and businesswomen. You have your own facility. You have your, you have your own, uh, I, I see like industrial buildings, but they, they need to be fenced as well. And you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, my facility needs a fence. Well, as you sow your seed into the, into the work of the Lord or the work of the kingdom, may he also prosper you so that you can have your heart's desire and have a beautiful fence up as well, because that would protect your employees' vehicles as they're parked. Nobody's breaking into the vehicles. If you know, uh, we have the Lowe's facility. Uh, in, actually, we have one here locally. We also have one in Mooresville. They're both fenced. It's really nice to do that. And if you look at the beautiful properties of, of the corporate headquarters and buildings in the local area, they have fences. And it's just, it's just wisdom in that you want to protect things that you have and also protect your employees and their valuables as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, bless your people. Let that special grace come upon them as they're sowing their seeds. We give you praise. We give you praise, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And thank you again, my friends, for participating in this project. We'll keep you posted online. Uh, as towards how we're doing on this. I believe the Lord's going to help us get this done quickly. And I'll also give you updates uh, from here as I come before you several times each week sharing the gospel with you. And I'll also give you updates on the progress of this uh, current focus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, let us jump into the Word of God today in a fascinating subject. I would like for us to start today in the book of Isaiah chapter 25. And I, I want to talk about unseen personalities. <laughs> Glory to God. There can be some personalities that can be around you, and maybe you can't see them, but nevertheless, they are there. They could be bad, or they could be good. They could have, uh, they could have uh, hurtful intentions, or they could have intentions of blessing. But let's talk today about unseen personalities. We'll start in Isaiah chapter 25, verse 7. Heavenly Father, as we're going into Your Word... We ask for your Holy Spirit to come and illuminate the Scriptures so that we can see them as New Testament believers and walk in our inheritance and, and Father, walk in victory that Christ purchased for us. We thank you for, oh God, for just removing any area of defeat out of our lives. We thank you for sweet victory in every area in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 7, and it says, He... Uh, and he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all people. So there is a covering that's just been cast over the people like a very large blanket, and the veil that is spread over all nations. There's a veil, and this veil just goes over the nations. And, and th th there's a reason why people can't understand the gospel. I think we need to be patient with people, because I, um, sometimes it's easy to think that maybe p even people in the church that love the Lord just maybe don't care about the things of God. But you have to understand the enemy works to keep people preoccupied with many things that are not important really in the kingdom of God. And the enemy tries very hard, to, even against believers, to keep our focus off of what is important and get us just all tangled up in all kinds of things of life. And, you know, before you know it, you think the soccer game's the most important thing in the world, or you think the kids' volleyball practice is the most important thing in the world, or you think maybe your hobby is the most important thing. And so th there's this veil, uh, and, and, and it works against 
believers, but it, it especially works against the unbelievers. And this veil, my friends, is layered. Uh, there, there are layers and levels of darkness. And the closer you get to the Lord, and the more time you spend in the Word, the more time you spend with God. See, see, the Word is a lamp. The Word is an illuminator. What happens is that veil begins to be pierced and it begins to evaporate, and you begin to see the glory of the Lord. You begin to see that God is a good God. God is a merciful, loving God. God is a just God. God is, is very loving, very kind, and, but you also see the Lord uh, is a righteous God. The Lord is a holy God, and you begin to see the Lord for who He really is. Praise God. So the veil, you can break through that veil. This is a veil of darkness. This is a veil of spiritual ignorance. And when I'm talking about ignorance, I'm not talking about low IQ, uh, because you can be very high IQ, you can be very well uh, trained in the, in the best universities of the world, but still be completely unaware of spiritual realities. Praise the Lord. You know, as a ministry, we love to go to Israel, we love taking tours to Israel, and we uh, you know, of course, when you fly into Israel, you land in Tel Aviv at the Ben Gurion Airport. And from there, when we launch out, we usually don't spend much time in Tel Aviv. We start heading out to these other cities. Uh, Tel Aviv is, is very modern, but Tel Aviv is also very sensual. And you, you look at the precious Jewish people in that part of the nation of Israel, and in many ways it's, it's like Manhattan. It's just whatever, you know, it's just about making money and, uh, you know, the things of the world. And th th they, they're even proud to be known as secular Jews. <laughs> they're not religious Jews uh, at all, hardly. I mean, you would find a few, and you would even find a few rare Messianic Christian churches there in Tel Aviv. But for the most part, uh, it's very sensual. Uh, it's also a, a stronghold of sodomy and uh, of uh, sexual perversion and sin. Now you go to Jerusalem, uh, it's different because there you have a, you have a lot of the uh, Jewish orthodoxy. You have a, a lot of men that are very very serious about endeavoring to follow the law of God. Then now they don't know Christ, but they're trying to follow the 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 Mosaic law. But uh, you know those in Tel Aviv, they, they have a certain uh, how can we say it? they have a certain level of a deep layer of a veil over them. Those in Jerusalem, uh, there's still a veil over them. Why would there be a veil? Because they don't know that Christ is the Messiah. They don't know that Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, has already come. Praise the Lord. Has already paid the price for their sins. And all that they need to do is receive Him as their Lord and Savior. And their sins can be washed away. And they can be in right standing with God. Well, see, one of the reasons we still love Israel so much is because the Jewish people are the flesh are the flesh and blood brothers and sisters of Jesus. See, uh, my last name is Brooks, and I actually have some family members, not, not immediate family members, but I do have family members that have my same last name, and uh, they're not like brothers or anything like that, but I do have some family members that they're not saved. But see, they'll always be my relatives, and I'll always have a special love for them because, you know, they're related to me by my father or related to me by my mother. So I, I do have a special interest in that. And then because of that, we're tied together by blood. So although they may not be saved, I will always love them because we're tied together by blood. But with Jesus, the people of Israel, they're His blood brothers and sisters, and uh, so he has, he has a vested interest in them, and He loves them. And that's why we need, need to have a 
the heart for the Jewish people. And don't, let us never forget that Paul said, uh, in, in reference to the gospel, he said, to the Jew first. And, and that's really also why I love Sid Roth, because Sid Roth, he's a very wise man. He's not just trying to pour money into Israel and help with Israeli humanitarian efforts. And that's, that's a good thing, because Israel, uh, you know, there are a lot of people on the fringe of society in Israel. You still have Holocaust victims that are still alive, that are living in deep levels of poverty. So there are good humanitarian things to pour into. But Sid Roth basically realizes that they need Christ, they need Jesus. What, what does it matter if we feed them food, but then you, you know, you, you die in your sins. So he's out preaching the gospel. I like that. And uh, th that's what we need to do. So that's something that Sid taught me, that with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul said, to the Jew first, okay, and then to the nations of the world. So uh, we have a heart for the Jewish people, because Jesus is Jewish. The 12 apostles were all Jewish. All 66 books in the Bible were written by Jewish men. And so it's just that that's God, God chose to work through that family of Abraham. Praise the Lord. So we, we have a debt to them because of what they have done and what they have presented, and also that beautiful Davidic line that brought forth the Christ. Hallelujah. So, you know, for, for thousands of years, they were, they were the stewards of the oracles of God. They were the ones that kept alive the, the Word of God and the Old Covenant. But now we have the New Covenant based upon the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we rejoice in the Lord. So, there are many precious Jewish people, they yet, despite maybe hearing it many, many times, there's a veil. They just don't get it that Jesus is the Messiah. But we'll keep ministering, we'll keep praying, we'll keep uh, broadcasting the gospel. By the way, our Pure Gold Television show is on the air uh, going over Israel. Uh, it's on ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. It, you can see it every Thursday. There's three times it airs. And you can see it. All, these are all Eastern time, 4.30 in the morning, 12.30 afternoon, just after lunch, and also 8.30 p.m. at night. Okay, so that's three times that you could see pure gold. And, you know, that's reaching the uh, Israeli people that's reaching the Middle East, and we praise God for that, as well as the Gentiles. Woo! Hallelujah! People like me, growing up eating pork, eating catfish, eating crawdads, all of those things that a good Jewish Orthodox person would look at and say, man, that's all the stuff uh, God spoke through Moses and told you not to eat. It's loaded with cholesterol. They're all scavengers, and here we were eating it and smacking it down, and uh, you know what? But we're saved by grace through faith. Hallelujah! Glory to God. So we thank God as the gospel is for the whole world. And really, our heart is for the world as well. But let's always keep that uh, in our minds that to the Jew first, make sure you're doing something to reach the Jewish people. And that's what we always endeavor to have a part of that in this ministry, even a foremost part of that. Praise God. Again, verse 7, He will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all the people, and the veil that is spread over all Hallelujah. So, undoubtedly, there is going to come that moment when the veil is completely yanked away, when the Lord comes back, and after this whole thing blows up and melts down with the Antichrist, and He's, 
he's revealed as, as this false fake guy that he's been the whole time. You know what? Is uh, when when that great tribulation period begins to start, and it's not that long. It's an only a seven-year period, but at, after the end of that, the last three and a half years, and the nation of Israel sees what a fraud and deceiver that this guy was. Uh, you know, they'll know, and then at the end of that, the Lord Jesus will come back in person, in person, and then the veil, the veil is going to be completely pulled because there He is. Woo! Glory to God. And by the way, when when this new temple is going to get built in Jerusalem, and this Antichrist charismatic figure does come forth, this, this smooth liar and skilled deceiver, when he does come forth, I know that a lot of Israel is going to be deceived. The majority of the Israeli people are going to be deceived because the majority of them are secular. They don't serve the Lord. Uh, they, they, they're not following the law by any means. They're just living for money and living for fun. And that's the truth. You could ask a lot of them, and I have. They're like, no, we have no interest in religion. We just want to have fun, <laughs> live life. <laughs> you know, we're just, not in, we're just not into all this, you know, Judaism stuff. So, you know, but there will be many uh, of the Orthodox Jews, they'll know that that Antichrist, they'll know uh, despite all of his smooth talking, they'll just know he's a fraud. They, they're not going to go for it. They're not going to go for it at all. So, it's good to know the Word of God. And eventually, of course, that entire veil is going to be pulled and yanked, and they're going to see Christ, the Lord Jesus, as the Savior for who He really is. Woo! Hallelujah! Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be such a glorious day, because uh, that will be the full redemption of the nation of Israel. Hallelujah. Until then, let's keep getting as many saved as we possibly can. Let's go over today to the book of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, where in, in so many ways the Apostle Paul just pulls no punches, but just, just openly talking just unveils so much of the uh, spiritual darkness that in many ways had been concealed and hidden. He just unmasks it, unveils it, and talks about it in such plain and simple ways. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. It really is an interesting thing when you serve God, and you walk with the Lord, and you really love the Lord, and you stand back and you look at what the world calls fun. And you, and you look at what they say is their reason for living. Getting drunk, getting stoned, staying in bars all night, flushing your body full of whiskey and alcohol, and, and indulging in sexual immorality, and cheating and stealing, and throwing your ethics out, and throwing your virtue out, and throwing all the, and just, they just, they just, you know, so many people in the world just, they just think it's fun, fun to get drunk, fun to sleep around, and you stand back, and you look at it, in the Lord, you say, it's just all such a stupid lie. This, this is what you call fun? This is what, this is what you call real, real living? What's, what's, what's so great about it? Well, well, where's the big thrill? Well, well, why are they doing that? Because there's a veil over them. There is a veil over their understanding. See, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. And the enemy wants to keep the veil heavy and thick on them because he wants to take them to hell. That's why. That's why there must be preachers of the gospel, like myself, shouting and proclaiming the Word of God that Jesus is the only way to heaven. 
Woo! Praise the Lord. Uh, just a little note, please be aware of all the yoga stuff that's going on. So many Christians are getting duped by, by yoga, and they're wanting that, you know, they're thinking it's some kind of cool exercise. The, the, the core essence of yoga has never been about stretching. It's never been about breathing. It's always been about uh, taking you into Hinduism. That's all yoga is. If, if you're starting to get into yoga, you're not starting to get in the breathing exercise. You're really just you're being introduced to a new religion, a false religion that's called uh, Hinduism. Okay? So I, I would suggest you stay away with that. If you want to stretch, do some kind of stretching besides yoga stretches, because the yoga stretches are actually the worst type of stretching you could ever do. And the yoga positions are some of the worst positions you could ever have. If, uh, if you want to mess your back up, do yoga posture type sitting and positions. It'll mess your backup. It's never meant for exercises, never meant for stretching. All of that stuff ties into a spiritual occult realm that leads you into Hinduism so that you can have spirits come into you. Very, very interesting. I think it's, I think sometimes the world has gone so crazy. I know with our oceans, specific, uh, particularly the Pacific Ocean, there's a large area out in the middle that's called the Pacific Junkyard. And, you know, all, all of the oceans of the world are really, in a sense, connected together because you have, you have the Gulf Stream going along our Gulf of Mexico, looping around the bottom of the Atlantic, around Florida, coming all the way up, all the way up the eastern seaboard. And, you know, all of these things tie all these streams, uh, tie all the oceans together. And a lot, of, a lot of the junk, for whatever reason, ends up over in the Pacific Ocean, out in the middle, kind of swirling around with all this junk, plastic fishing nets and trash and garbage and uh, you know all of the eco-friendly people and I, I know we need to protect the planet the best we can and not be you know polluters or wasters um, but it's just kind of funny sometimes how people get they get the wrong focus and they're uh, the things they say don't even make any sense and they're all worked up about all the plastic in the ocean yet the scientists will tell you the most dangerous thing that ends up in the Pacific Ocean there's millions of them and it's not plastic bottles and it's not, you, it's not, it's not these various forms of plastic as like we might may think it is. Not, it's not fisher nets, fishermen's nets, or plastic bags. You know what it is? You know the biggest problem floating out there in the Pacific Ocean is yoga pants. <laughs> Pastor Stephen, you're you're making that up. No, I'm not making that up. That's the truth. Millions and millions of wore out yoga pants that end up in, uh, you know, in trash cans that end up getting dumped and the dump stuff ends up getting somehow out in the ocean and millions of old pairs of yoga pants that won't dissolve for a long, long time are out there floating in the Pacific Ocean. That's, they actually, scientists say, is the biggest problem uh, that's out there right now. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't know how we went from yoga to yoga pants, uh, but you know, I'm just trying to say that so much, so many things that the world says, this is great, this is great. You stand back and you look at it and you think, well, that's not great, silly. Why, why would anybody want to get drunk? What's so fun about getting drunk and you go into a toilet and throwing up over and over in a toilet? What, what's so glamorous and wonderful about that? Well, I guess if people think rolling around in the mud is fun, uh, they can enjoy it, but I think it's a deception. Okay, now verse 4, uh, well, verse 3 again, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, verse 4, whose minds, this will be the minds of the unbelievers, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we see here in verse 4, whose minds the God of this age, or as some translations say, the God of this world. 
or the God of this present age. Now notice uh, when it says God, it's little g, it's not capital G as in Jehovah God. This, this is a reference to Satan, the God of this world. Paul also called him the prince of the power of the air. Well, he is one of these unseen personalities. He's actually the main unseen personality who's behind the scenes uh, initiating all of these problems in the world today, war and famine and, uh, and uh, all of disease and pestilence and sickness and racism and fighting and division and all that stuff. This is Satan and all of his demon spirits that are behind the scenes uh, endeavoring to work through yielded individuals, people, and you have to understand there are unseen personalities that are, that are at operation. And in the Western church, there's very little teaching on this, uh, because in, in America particularly, let me just speak on behalf of America for a moment, uh, if there's sickness and disease, the medical industry blames it on germs and bacteria, uh, or, you know, things along that line. If there's, if there's demons, then the psychologists and the psychiatric uh, institutes, they blame it on uh you know, like some kind of uh, chemical imbalance within the brain. And I'm not saying that there may, may, may not be something wrong with somebody's chemical uh, makeup or something like that, but I'm just saying they'll never say it's an evil spirit. They'll never say it's a demon. They, they just don't believe in them. Oh, and Satan loves it when people do not believe in his existence, and especially he loves it when they don't believe in hell. Woo! Wow, because they, they are actually heading towards a destination that they're completely unaware of. So Satan doesn't want to change that at all. So that's why we are here to pull people off of that path of plunging into eternal damnation and eternal separation from God and hearing the gospel so that they can repent and receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, and thus be saved. So Satan, the God of this world, he's blinded, he's blinded them, he's blinded them. But the gospel is the light that dispels the darkness, the darkness of lies, the darkness of deception. Woo! Hallelujah! Thank God for the light of the gospel. Can you imagine what the world would be like if you took Christianity out of the earth, and you took the Jewish people off the planet. Take the Jews off the planet, take all the Christians off the planet, and everybody would kill each other probably within a year. Satan would have, he would just run wild. He would run wild. Hallelujah. But we thank God. Hallelujah. We thank God for the church. Praise God. The church of the Lord Jesus that we can raise the banner, and we can hold the standard. What is the standard? It's God's Word. And there are some things that God says that are right, and if He says it's right, it's okay. You can partake of it. But there are some things that God says that are wrong. And if they're wrong, you can write human laws uh, saying it's right, and you can pass legislation saying it's right, it's legal now, but in the eyes of God, if God said stealing is wrong, stealing is still wrong, and 10 million years from now, stealing will still be wrong. Why? God said it was wrong. And so there are, there are moral values, there are biblical principles, and those are the things we choose to live by. Heaven is real, hell is real. People need to know that. Praise God. And I'm one of those preachers that uh, is willing to let you know 
willing to let you know that you're going to spend eternity somewhere. And I know for those of you that belong to Jesus, you're going to spend it in heaven. But if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never received Him as your Savior, and you've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins, you're, you're going the wrong direction. You're going the wrong direction, but you need to turn around. Praise God, because there is salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's go. Let's go to the book of Daniel, chapter 10. I like this story a whole lot. Daniel, chapter 10, and verse 1, just for a little context, in the third year of Cyrus, excuse me, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. So it's off for a distance, but at least he has understanding of it. But there's also more revelations that are coming to this, this anointed man of God. And in verse 12, we see, we see what takes place to an angelic visitation. Verse 12, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, and the, the, the humbling himself was an, was an act of 21 days of consecration, uh, backing off from the steaks and, and you know, the, the potato with the sour cream and the chives and the extra butter. He just backed off from all of that, spent extra time in, in fasting and in prayer. Uh, it wasn't a strict, what you would call water fast, because he still has royal responsibilities in the royal court, and you can't walk into the royal court looking all wiped out and haggard. So he still has to have the energy and the stamina that he needs, but he dials the food intake down to a very bare bones minimum, and that way he can be very sensitive to the Lord. And it says, And to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Now verse 13, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, the prince. And you may want to notice that phrase right there, the prince. Okay, so here in chapter uh, 10, verse 1, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Okay, but here in verse 13, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So what you have here is a reflection in the Bible of what you would call a dual kingdom or a dual reference. You have the natural prince of Persia, but you also have the evil prince that rules over that whole region, that, that nation, and this is the evil dark prince that is fighting to keep revelation and understanding coming through the heavenly realms and being filtered down and being received by the prophets of God so that they can know God's plan for the coming days and also for the end times. So we have unseen personalities, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, an unseen, very strong personality very, very strong. And it, it took the help of Michael, the archangel, to come with his group of uh, associate angels to free up the messenger angel so that that message could be broken through and received by someone on the earth. You know, I just picked up a book while I was in, while I was in London. Somebody blessed me and my wife with this book. And uh it's a story about a move of God uh, that's going on in uh, in Wales. But one of the one of the prophetesses there in Wales received a vision one night. She was up late at night praying, and the Lord showed an angel coming towards her. And the angel landed, I think, in the living room or where she was at, and she could see this angel. And she at first thought it was a it was a it was an evil spirit, 
because as she saw this being, which was an angelic look, looking being, it looked, he looked all beat up. He did have angelic wings, but some of the ring, some of the wings were tore off. There were big chunks of like what you would call the feathers that were ripped out. And uh, you have to understand, uh, particularly like with, with like birds like hawks or falcons, when you see those big feathers, particularly the tail feathers and all, uh, those feathers are not just kind of like, like uh, you know, gently poked in there. They're actually inserted into the bone. So for a, a feather to be pulled out would be extreme pain. Uh, so just like with these beautiful birds of prey in the natural, these uh, these these angels. She saw this angel and he had big chunks of his wing. It looked like they had been ripped off. He looked battered. He looked like bruised and cut up. And he had a sword, but his sword uh, was, it looked like uh, it was, uh, had been shattered and big chunks of it are, are missing. And uh, sh so she saw this, this thing and she thought it was a, 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 a um, an evil spirit. And the Lord said, no, the Lord said to her, this is one of my angels, one of my holy angels. He has just come out of a fierce battle, and he's on his way back to recover, to get, you know, get patched back up, so to speak. And she said, oh, that's what's going on. Because so there had been a spiritual clash, a tremendous clash in the heavenlies, and there was a spiritual war going on. And so that's why they had been doing a lot of praying, and there was a breakthrough. But she was able to see the reality of that breakthrough, that this is violent, violent activity that goes on in the spirit realm. I, I mean, violent beyond anything that you could think of in like a natural battle. This stuff is on a colossal spectrum. So these are unseen personalities. And so it says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which stood me 21 days. Now, I want you to understand as a believer, with an inheritance that Jesus has for you, a, a, a life of blessing, a, a life of a high calling, a life of uh, uh, just all kinds of things where He wants to really honor you and show His favor towards you. The enemy doesn't mind if you get glimpses of that, of the plan that God has for your life. The enemy, especially, he doesn't like it, but he doesn't mind if a prophecy is released over your life, unveiling the plan of God. But, re but remember, when the enemy hears or sees a prophecy that's released over your life, like say you get a really good prophetic word, you, you have to be, you have to understand there's unseen personalities. It's not like the enemy goes, oh wow, they just got a great word that they're going to begin to prosper financially. It's their season of harvest. You know what the enemy's going to do? He's going to say, well, uh, let, them get the, let them get the prophetic word. They've already got it, but let's just block it. Let's do all we can because they've sowed, they've prayed, but let's get in there now and let's try to mess it up so that they can't get their harvest because it doesn't matter if you get a prophecy. He doesn't matter if you get a glimpse of God's plan as long as you still, you never get the manifestation and you never have a testimony. See, God wants you to go all the way where you say, I got it. Hallelujah, I got the victory. I have the testimony. Because you've got the testimony, what's going to happen? Somebody's going to, somebody's going to say, well, stand up and testify. Because it'll really, really bless people. So the enemy, he just doesn't want you to have the testimony. I've, I've heard people share testimonies before, and, they, and it ends, and they don't realize, hey, your testimony had no note of victory. You just get, you told the story of how you almost got there and then it flopped. Can't you see that you didn't cross the finish line? 
with that, with that experience. And so God wants genuine, valid testimonies that glorify Him of where you punched it through and you broke it through. But you have to realize there are unseen personalities, real individual, real characters, evil forces that are going to try to stop you uh, from going all the way. And that's what I like about Daniel, because he pushed it all the way until that message got through. He's, he stayed on that consecration for 21 days, and, and it's different. And remember, he's not doing a water fast. As far as we know, he's not even just doing a juice fast. He's still eating some food, but it's not pleasant food. So he's just doing the basics to keep nutrition going, keep his stamina up so he can pray. But you know what? Um, you get a word from the Lord, or you see a revelation of what God has planned for your life, you're going to have to really pray. And there probably should be times when you should fast and really push close to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not taking any chances on this. I'm really going to walk close to you because I know the enemy would like to keep this from happening. And you have to be aware of that. These are real conflicts in the spirit realm. And God does have a real inheritance for you. And it really is all that good. But you're going to need you're going to need to walk close to the Lord, and you're going to you're going to need the angelic help to be there with you, so that you can make it all the way. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which stood me twenty-one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Verse twenty. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And that was uh, that. That's the current kingdom on the scene that that has the power. And he says, and when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. And that's the next rising kingdom. And then in the next chapter, it goes into the kingdoms that will rise, the kings that will fall, who will come after them. And all of that has been recorded in history as being 100% phenomenally accurate. The Word of God is absolutely amazing with this prophetic accuracy. But it also gives foreshadowing of the end times, including the coming of the Antichrist. Verse 21, but I will tell you what is noted in the Scripture of Truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Michael also today is the archangel, the chief protecting angel over the nation of Israel. Woo, any, any nation that wants to do Israel harm, you're going you're gonna to run up against Michael. And he's, he's the angel that doesn't smile. <laughs> uh, some angels smile. Some angels have a nice demeanor. This guy, this guy is, in our English vernacular, he's bad. Uh, and I, you know what, how can I say? Well, we should be accurate with our words. He's just, I don't want to say he's mean, but he's all business and he's war. He's, he's militant. He's militant. He, and he's, that's just, just the way God made him. He's not, he doesn't smile. That, that's not who God made him to be. He's, he, he's a fierce, fierce fighter and warrior. And as a, you know, gigantic army underneath him, as he is under the man, under the command of the King of Kings, the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabah. Praise the Lord, the commander of all of the armies of heaven. God, we give you glory today. Blessed be the Lord. Now, Ephesians chapter uh, 6. Let's very quickly move over to Ephesians chapter 6. Because God has the arsenal that you need, the firepower that you need. It's all within reach. We just need to avail ourselves to it. Verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be, be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, the wiles of the devil is the strategies of the devil and the schemes of the devil and the plots of the devil, and he really, really does want to take you down. And let me just be bluntly honest with you. 
a lot of Christians say, I've heard them say it, I've heard, I've heard some ministers say this. Uh, I have to be honest, not amongst the Pentecostals, I've heard them say it. I've even had some say it in my local area. Some good ministers, they, you know, they don't understand the kingdom really. They said, you know what, I really don't want to do too much for the Lord because if I do it's going to make the devil mad at me that he's going to come at me. And you just want to go, hey, you know, as if he's going to play fair? No, no. The devil is, he doesn't work like that. As, as long as you're saved, he's going, to, he's going to try to take you out. He's going to still mess with you. So you might as well serve the Lord, okay? You might as well serve the Lord. Now, if you are serving the Lord, you really need to walk on your, uh, in your armor, because if you are serving the Lord, trust me, you are, you are impacting His kingdom in a way where you are taking souls from Him. And uh, the, the, the souls are the trophies, okay? God wants souls for, for eternity, wants sons and daughters with Him in heaven. Satan wants, uh, he hates humanity. So he wants to take as many humans as he can to hell with him, and then eventually all be thrown into the lake of fire for the eternal judgment of the damned. But we're going we're to go after as many souls as we can. So also remember, when you are on the front lines, uh, you're, you're going to be, you're gonna, he's going to try to take out the leaders. And the plots against the leaders, they are nothing short of diabolical. I'm, I'm not over-exaggerating. These are, these are, these are uh, conference room, boardroom meetings with not, with not like low-level Beelzebub fly-like type demons. No, these are high-ranking wicked spirits in high places that run nations, that literally run nations that are under the command of Satan, and they plot how they can take ministers out, they plot how they can start wars, these are, the, uh, these are uh, very evil forces. So you have to be aware of that, so that when God reveals destiny and uh, greatness and plans for your life, you have to be aware there are these unseen personalities that are going to say, you know what? We're not going to let you just walk in here and take it without a fight. And so there is the fight of faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And also that's why we love prophecy, because with those prophecies you can wage, you can fight a good warfare. And that good warfare is that fight of faith. You're contending for what God said, and you're using the Word, you're using the prophecies, and you're using everything that God can give to you, uh, because you are moving forward, going from glory to glory. So we're, we can withstand the strategies of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, it's not people. It's the unseen personalities that are trying to work to these people that will yield uh, to these evil forces. But uh, remember, it's not the people. We want to get the people saved. But there can be evil forces working behind the scenes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly, excuse me, the heavenly realms, the heavenly places. And because of this, there are various uh, types of armor that are listed. And we need to put that armor on daily. Uh, for example, verse 14, stand therefore, or excuse me, verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God. Okay, so the fact that we can take it up means that it's close by. You can grab it. There it is. Take it, grab it. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And there, there is evil today. 
really unlike any other generation that we've ever faced. There's more evil that has been released, and the, the, the enemy's time is short, and he knows it. He's angry against God. He's angry against the church. He's angry against Israel, and he's just, he's upset. You, you, you see it like, like never before, but we have protection in the Lord. We have tremendous spiritual weapons in the Lord. We have more angels on our side with us than the enemy has on his side. And we have the Lord Jesus with us, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit in us, and thus we can win, we can prevail. But my friends, you just need to know there can be uh, opposition, and they're going to be looking to try to trip you up. Be on the alert, walk with the Lord, because the days are evil. So you want to be very, very careful in everything that you do every single day. Let's close out with this verse from Revelation uh, chapter 12. Uh, three things that will help us in the last days. Verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Overcoming him is Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And the, uh, the, the demons, they hate the blood. They, they scream and they pierce their ears and they often run away when they hear about the blood of Jesus because it was the shedding of the blood and the resurrection of Christ. It sealed their doom. Woo! And they know it. They know it too. And so they, they, they hate the blood of Jesus. They hate the mention of the blood of Jesus. So they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Woo! Hallelujah! The testimony. The covenant, praise God, washed with the blood in the family of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God has a testimony for you, a complete testimony. Thank you, Lord. Now, the third one is also very important. And I, I don't know why. Well, I think I do. I think I do. It's hard to say it. But when people read verse 11, they, they'll, have you ever noticed it? Is it just me? I think you've noticed the same thing. So many people, when they read verse 11, they'll say they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they don't read the next thing that was also necessary to overcome. And they did not love their lives to the death. And I think, I think perhaps the reason that, that, part of the verse is not stated just as boldly as the original of the other two is because wow that that's a, that's a big one they did not love their lives to the death well if you really want that complete testimony you're going to have to move into that as well and if it's not there your testimony will lack the power as my wife and I were in Ireland just a few weeks ago we saw one of the original documents that, you know, is the, the charter or their constitution of, of the formation of their nation. And it was read at the various post offices. I think the year was 1916, something like that. And uh, it was the proclamation that, hey, we're breaking, we're breaking away from, you know, the colonial rule of the English empire. And we are, we are Irish people. We want to be our own sovereign Irish nation. And, uh, you know, various men had one of those copies, and they all stood at the post office and read it out before all the people, and all the people heard it. Every single one of those men who stood and read that, they were all martyred. They were all captured, and they were all, they were all killed. Every single one of them. And you know what? They knew. They knew before they did it. Hey, if we do this, we're probably all going to die. Well, if you want, if you, if you really believe, hey, that we want to be our own sovereign nation, if you really believe that, then there needs to be skin in the game. 
they probably thought, yeah, there's going to be a lot of skin, ours. And, and there, there was, there was, they, they, they all died, captured every single one of them and killed them. The English did. <laughs> and when the English did that and killed these heroes of the Irish people, the Irish people got so angry and bitter that there was an overthrow. There was a, a formation of a new government, and as we say, the rest is history. Well, my friends, you, you need to come into that place where you do not love your life, even to the death. Because really, if it comes down to it, What's the worst they do? What's the worst they can do? They kill you, then you go to heaven. I mean, the moment, the moment they kill you, <laughs> you're, you're in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Would you believe that with the early church in the first century, the persecution, it just got so severe. And it, this, this fascinating history with the early church. You see it breaking out already in the book of Acts. You get a few chapters into the book of Acts, but, but then later it gets even worse. And then within the, you know, the first, the first century, by, by the time you're in the 60s and the 80 AD, I mean, fierce, fierce, fierce persecution. And this goes on for several hundred years against the Christians and against the church in the Roman Empire, which, by the way, was a very large empire covering uh, today w would be many, many various countries. But, you know, to be a Christian, you, you're really you're putting your life on the line and because you could be fed to the lions and many were and you could be thrown out there and the gladiators would kill you or the tigers would tear you apart and that, that they wouldn't just uh, kill you they'd kill they'd kill your whole family so you're going out there before the lions you're all going to get tore to shreds but the grace of god was so strong on the believers that the persecution couldn't break them they just said hey we have been born again we have had a true experience of being saved, being regenerated, born again, or whatever you want to call it. And we know that we belong to God, and we will not worship Caesar. And so they would begin to, you know, torture him and persecute him and stuff like that. And initially, there were, there were more that, you know, would kind of like, oh, okay, I, I, I relent, let me off the hook, and I'll take Caesar as my Lord, or whatever it might be. But it got to the point where the church was just so strong that, you know, n nobody was relenting. They just, they stood with their confession, uh, with their faith, with their children getting torn apart by lions and stuff like that. And they're just like, well, I'm next. Go ahead and tear me up too, because we're ready to go to heaven. And uh, Caesar and all of you watching in the theater, I, I hope you're enjoying the show, but you all need to repent of your sins and get right with God. Because Jesus is the only way. <laughs> next thing you know, they get, get torn, as soon as they say it, get torn apart by lions and uh, but this was real. This was they 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 just were so strong that what began to happen, it, and it took about two hundred years before it began to happen. But what began to happen is that the persecution was so fierce that many Christians they would just show up and they would they they would say, "Hey, we're not hiding. If you want to kill us, hey, here we are. Just go ahead and kill us right now. Well, we'll, we'll torture you. Well, go ahead and start torturing me. We're not afraid of you." We love you. Hope you get saved. But hey, if you want to kill us, here we are. We're not hiding. And they just killed. They slaughtered them by the hundreds of thousands. But the, you know, there was just a spirit of faith. There was a, the glory of the Lord on them. And so again, and they did not love their lives to the death because what? What more can you do? You kill the person. You're, the moment you're dead, you're gone. And so what happened is that it got to the point where some Christians began to go a little too far, and they were just like, hey. 
hey, kill us, kill us, we're ready to go to heaven now. And the, some of the Romans were like, what? You know, they're just like, you know, what are we doing with people like this? But some of the early church fathers, the, the, the early church fathers had to begin to correct some of the Christians because they're like, look, don't, don't try to get them to kill you. You know, if, if that ends up happening where you get martyred, it is what it is, but don't be volunteering for the, to get, you know, chopped in pieces or get, you know, you know, get eaten alive. Don't, don't, don't do that. Perhaps the Lord wants you to live a long life because there is also the thing of, you know, living your life as a martyr where you die daily. That, that, that's, you know, you know, if you die suddenly, you're gone, you're in heaven. But to live each day where you are in that phase where your life is laid down, that's a different type of thing. Let's read it again. And they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, which is that you've been born again, you're saved, and you belong to God. And they did not love their lives to the death. We really need to read that uh, third statement of verse 11 to get the full weight of what is being conveyed there. Um, if you're not in that place, just keep working your way into it. Uh, and once you're in it, then you, then you have to work to stay in it. Praise God. There's a real fickleness in the church today. There's this thing in the church where we, it's like, we don't want anybody to not like us. We want everybody to like us. Well, not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to think that the gospel is great. They may write articles about you. Oh, we don't want that. We want everybody to like us. Don't say anything bad about me. Well, they're going to. They're going to if you're preaching the real thing. They're going to. It says concerning Jesus. Now, think about this. He never sinned. He was known as the Lamb of God. So, Lamb representing sweet and loving and gentle. And it says they hated Him without a cause. He gave them nothing. Uh, no reason for why they should do it. They hated him anyhow. So you could live a holy life, a blameless life. It doesn't matter. It's just who you are. It's that it's because who you are in Christ and the Spirit of the Lord, the glory of the Lord upon you. And it often can just bring conviction. And here's the thing: the gospel is going to be preached to all the world, and the the world is going to hear it. The whole world is going to hear it. It doesn't mean that the whole world is going to accept it, although many, many will. But it does mean that they're all going to hear it. And so we need to at least give them opportunity. And a person individually must make the choice of what they're going to do, the, uh, what do they want to do with their eternity. That's their choice. But as for me and my house, and I know as for you as well, we are going to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. But my friends, give your life to the Lord completely. Uh, and, and if you get into that point, it just melts out this compromising, I want everybody to like me type thing. It just melts that out of you. That's a real, that's, that's a real challenge with, with the, particularly the, the North American church today, just not wanting to ever offend anybody. Well, how can, how can you ever preach the bold gospel if, you know, as if you want, uh, how can you ever tell people about the reality of hell if you, you know, you're always just so fearful and afraid of all the, you know, so this is just all a bunch of, uh, this is just another veil. It's just a line veil that the enemy tries to get to get you to back off. And, I, and I, we're aware of it because I, I can sense it. I can sense it at times. There's certain things I say when they, when the words leave my mouth, I know they're going through that veil and I can sense people who, oh, I don't know about that. I sense that. And I understand. That's why Paul said, pray for me that I may have boldness to preach the gospel with boldness. Well, 
I, I certainly am going to ask for. The, I'm going to ask for the same thing because if if Paul, with the great boldness that he presented, if he said, "Hey, uh, pray for me so that I will have boldness to preach the true gospel." Well, then I would ask of you that you would pray for me, that I would also have boldness and not compromise the truth of the gospel. Praise the Lord. Why would there be compromise? Because of unseen personalities that would try to get you to back off or back down or whatever it might be. Praise God. But we thank the Lord for Jesus because there's always victory in Him, and they overcame Him. Look, just walk with the Lord, and you keep overcoming every situation in life, and eventually we will all cross the finish line, and we will go to be with the Lord in heaven. I mean, when you stop and think about heaven compared to the earth, what a joy beyond comprehension it's going to be. You'll never see any plastic floating in the waters of heaven. You'll never see uh, trash cans in heaven. You'll, you'll, never see, you'll never see anything dirty, out of place, out of order. Watch this. You'll never ever hear one profane curse word in heaven. Ever. 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 Everything is pure. Everything is beautiful. Everything is holy. Praise God. By the way, if you're watching, and you think you're thinking, "Now, oh, Pastor Stephen, uh, hey, this is the light, this is the ship I want to be sailing on. I don't want to go to hell." Let me pray for you right now. Just lift your hands to heaven. Lift your hands to God, and and say this after me. Pray this out of your heart to God, and repeat this prayer to the to the Father right now in heaven. Heavenly Father, I come before you as a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, wash my sins away. Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. I give you my life. Save me now. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Hallelujah. And if you prayed that prayer sincerely, you now belong to Jesus. And God the Father is your Heavenly Father. Praise the Lord. Oh, we rejoice today. Let's take communion together today. Please grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Let's pray over it. Heavenly Father, we bless this. We consecrate this. We thank you, Father. This is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Lord, we give you praise and glory. Father, we thank you for overcoming grace, overcoming anointing. We thank you, Father God, that while there are unseen evil forces, we thank you there are unseen holy forces. And that there's angels all around us. We thank you for the angels helping us, shielding us, protecting us. Oh God, we give you praise. And Father, we thank you right now for the body of Jesus. We receive his flesh. We thank you for his strength. We thank you for the new covenant. We thank you, Father God, for the testimony. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. Praise you, O oh God. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes all of our sins away. We thank you, Father God, that the blood of Jesus makes us whiter than snow, clean and pure. Father, we thank you that Jesus shed his blood for us at the cross of Calvary, that he was died, that he died, was buried in a tomb, and that he was raised three days later, and that at his resurrection he ascended on high and has been seated at your right hand forevermore. Father, we give you praise. We thank you that his blood still speaks 
and it still keeps us clean and holy. Father, we give you praise. If we have committed any sin that we, we ask that you would forgive us and wash our sins away, we forgive anyone who has sinned against us, and we ask that you would lead us away from temptation, and we ask that you would deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My friends, thank you for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Thank you also for helping the ministry with the new fence. Thank you for your donations towards that. Till next time, stay blessed. <laughs>